Welcome to the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast, bringing you bi-weekly discussions designed to help you grow your business and create the lifestyle you desire. Elevate your business with proven strategies from virtual CFOs, CPAs, and business advisors. We discuss real-world challenges solved with actionable steps that get you the results you need both in business and building the life you deserve. Thank you for joining us for episode number 131 of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast, brought to you by PJS and Co. CPAs. I'm your host, Megan Spicer, and I am talking to returning guest, Amanda Mulcahy, today on our podcast to talk about company culture and its link to profitability. How are you doing this morning? I am good. It's cold here, but I'm good. Good. It is not so cold here, but I will <laughs> I won't tell you what the temperature is. <laughs> Lucky. <laughs> I will go there. So there are a couple different articles that we found in doing the research that show this direct link between company culture. And it was just kind of something that we were throwing out like when we were talking about topics. Like, hey, you know, I wonder what the link is between culture and profitability. Like, is there one? And so we found a d- couple different research articles and numbers that are really interesting that really drive the point home that yes, there is in fact a link there, a a link that's so important that you really need to pay attention to the culture and make sure that it's thriving within your organization. So one of the first things that we want to understand is defining what is culture, because I think it's a a term that's thrown around a lot. And people, like we've said on the, the podcast before about like vision and mission and all of those, those key terms in your business, you'll throw it in a handbook, you'll throw it on your website, and then nothing's really done with it. And that's not really what culture is about. But we've all worked in companies that that's pretty much as far as the culture goes. It's like, yeah, you you say it's one thing, but that's not really the culture here at the business. Like once you get into the trenches, it's very different than like the mission and culture, quote unquote, that's on your website, right? Yeah, that was one thing I just read just a bit ago in one of the the articles that we had pulled for this episode. And it was like, your culture is the living, breathing, ever evolving embodiment of your company's mission and values. And it's like, you can't really, like that's like a great definition for exactly what it is. (laughs) Yeah, because it's not something that you just like set it and forget it, right? Mm -hmm. You have to keep a pulse on, are we actually living these values that we're saying that we're living, right? Are my employees, is my team actually feeling that culture that I want to cultivate within my organization? Or is it just something that we we say and, you know, like, okay, we want flexibility for our, for our employees, right? But when they actually ask for time off, is their manager honoring that? Is their manager making them feel bad for being out of the office? Is their manager, you know, like th- those are the little things that are adding up to that essential value, right? So you have to look at each thing that you're saying that you are and make sure that it's actually being put into practice. Yeah. And it goes from, like you said, management. So I think with culture, you can't just create a culture amongst your employees. Like there won't be a culture amongst your employees if it's not dwindled down from the top. And so you have to, like as a manager, as a leader, as a boss, as an owner, I mean, it starts from the very top of the company and it's shown you know, throughout the company. But if you don't implement it yourself as like a top leader, then like your employees will never implement it. 
And I think that's huge to understand when trying to understand company cultures, because it's not something you can just tell, like, we need to act this way, or we need to be this, or we need to do this, if you're not doing it yourself. Otherwise, it'll never work. Yeah, yeah. The whole do as I say, not as I do. It's <laughs> <laughs> not. parent mantra. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Which I think, I, I make these correlations all the time between like, setting an example as a leader and as a parent, it's like, to me, it's kind of the same thing because you're, you're, it's just you as a a human and setting those values as a human. And then that has to carry forward to your organization and your team and just living up to what you want to be, right? Like setting that example. And so that is, you hit the nail on the head. Like you have to act out those things. It's all in your behavior. It's not in just what you say. Yeah. So there's a couple of direct and indirect ways in which your company culture impacts profitability. So we wanted to break those down so that we really are getting at the crux of like, why are we talking about this? And what is the importance of culture in your company? So some of the direct ways are obviously employee productivity. There are several research studies that have come up that show that productivity amongst your employees, amongst your team, is significantly impacted by the culture. If that surprises you, then you probably have never worked (laughs) in places that the culture is not so great. But that, I mean, to me is kind of a no-brainer, right? Like, Yeah, absolutely. And that was like from the same article. I mean, the stats are there, right? And so the numbers don't lie when it comes to like showing what the direct impact of culture and productivity are. Mm -hmm. And so in a research done by Gallup, it found that unengaged employees cost their companies 18% of their annual salary. And then it also talked about how highly engaged employees are 17% more productive than their less engaged coworkers. So it like goes both ways. Like you can directly see the impact of unengaged employees versus engaged employees. And that starts with the culture, right? Mm -hmm. Because if they don't want to be at work, they're not going to work basically is how it... (laughs) Right. Correlates. right. Yeah. And it, it allows for more innovation. You know, when you have a happy employee, they're going to have the brain space to think about new ways to do things or to notice when things aren't operating as they should, you know, versus somebody that's just not happy, disgruntled, not engaged. Like they're not, they don't have the effort to want to do that type of thing for your organization. So <laughs> that goes hand in hand with employee retention. I mean, retention is huge. Obviously, like if a happy employee probably isn't going to be looking actively for other jobs. So you're going to keep more people. That's going to save you a ton on training, hiring, all of those things that we know are high cost things for companies. We also have a lower rate of employee burnout. That's another thing you have to consider. You know, if you're not letting your people take time off, if you're not encouraging people to learn. If you're not doing those things that help make a a good, healthy culture, your employees are going to burn out and they're just, they just might quit showing up. You know, who knows what's going to happen. I was reading this article about quiet quitting and like how people are doing that now. It just, I mean, it correlates the productivity and the retention and it kind of like encapsules everything because if they don't want to be there, I mean, I think I think we have generations now that show it, right? It's not so much like our grandparents' generation where, you know, they went home and they hated it. Not everybody, but, you know, they went home and they hated their job or their career, but it's like what they had to do at the time. And so, so many people, especially coming out of the COVID era, it's like people know that 
they have other options. Mm-hmm. And so they're not afraid to quit and leave. And I remember being like in college and it's like, if one person wanted to quit, it's like, well, I wanted to quit. And they acted like, like two people couldn't quit at one time, yes. right? Like somebody had to quit, but only one person could do it. And now that's not the case, right? You'll have instances where multiple employees will mm-hmm. quiet quit or just walk out. And then that leaves mm-hmm. the company struggling or, you know, in low productivity, which means that, you know, they can't get their services out to their customers or their products out to their customers, which means the company is not generating money. I mean, so it's just a huge like circle of life impact of how just creating that culture and making sure your employees are engaged and, you know, how like the effects it could have on a make or break for your company. Yeah, 100 percent. And then on the flip side, not only does it impact your team, but it's going to directly impact customer satisfaction. Because those same employees who are engaged, who are happy, who are not experiencing burnout because of a healthy culture are going to be able to serve your customers or your clients in a more helpful way. They're going to be more attentive. They're going to be able to be more proactive. They're going to be able to think ahead on things versus somebody that's just burned out, that's over it, (laughs) that, you know, has asked for a raise three times and not gotten it. And they're just like checked out. You know, a lot of these things are kind of, they make sense when you think about it, but it, when you're running a business, you may not stop to spend the time to analyze, like, how are my employees actually feeling? Like, maybe you, the last time you thought about it was a year ago, two years ago, and actually checked in with your managers, actually checked in with your team. No. Do you know how those people are feeling actively right now in this moment? So those are the some of the direct ways that culture impacts your profitability. So now there's some indirect ways that you may not think about that may not be quite as obvious, but things like brand your reputation. Yeah, that's huge. And I think it impacts more people like for local businesses sometimes, I think, than it does for chain businesses. Mm -hmm. Because if you go into like a local coffee shop or a local restaurant and you have employees or waitresses or cashiers that just like don't want to be there. And it might, you know, not have anything to do with the culture. Sometimes you just have those employees. But a lot of the times, you know, people say you don't quit a job, you quit your boss, right? And so if the, you know, the leader isn't creating a culture where it's like, yeah, I get it. Some days are hard, but, you know, making it a place that you actually want to be for the most part. And like a customer goes in there and they just get this horrible vibe, right? Because that's like the huge thing. It's like their first impression. And once you get your first impression bad, like nothing's ever going to go right for you the rest of the time. And so I think these local companies where they don't think about sometimes like, you know, they think that they're just there to employ people sometimes or offer their services. And they don't take into consideration that these are actual people working for them to create a good environment. I think that it can really like be detrimental to their business because then you go in there like, yeah, I don't want to go to that place no more because the waitress was really rude. Mm. And then they go to another chain or another local restaurant. And so I just, I see it a lot here where I live to where it's like the small businesses get impacted a lot more than the chains do because of that, the customer service or, and that, you know, creates this bad brand reputation. It's like that they don't even know about probably. Right. Well, and you think about a smaller brand, your, your brand reputation and your brand as a whole is much more volatile 
because a brand like Starbucks has all of this history and it's so huge that people recognize that and recognize the brand. And, oh, if I have a bad experience, kind of write it off a little easier. Starbucks, right? Or McDonald's or whatever it may be versus some little mom and pop shop where you almost have the pressure of like being amazing 100% of the time because you are a smaller brand. You don't have that brand equity built up that Starbucks has. Yeah, That's the other side of it that you kind of have to consider, which isn't fair, but (laughs) that's the way of the world. So, and I think another important thing that you mentioned there is the human element that I think a lot of people write off because you think of it as a business and we have to remember that we're dealing with humans and humans are weird. I say this all the time. (laughs) We have to consider the fact that we're dealing with humans on your team, as clients, as customers, everybody has their own stuff going on and we have to not forget that we're people. Yeah, absolutely. So on that same token, we, it can also impact talent acquisition because if somebody hears a bad experience of, oh yeah, I work there, they treat their employees terrible. Are you going to want to apply, apply to that place? No. You know, things like risk management, adaptability, collaboration, and teamwork, all of those things are playing into that burnout. You know, the things that if I'm unhappy, I'm not going to be as willing to collaborate with my team. I'm not going to be as adaptable to changes because I'm already unhappy. You know, I'm not engaged. Those are the things that we have to look for. And then kind of tying back up to that brand reputation, your customer loyalty can be impacted. Like you said, with the bad experience, you know, that waitress was rude to me. You were losing customers. So there's a lot of direct and indirect ways. And I think paying attention to those and how important this is, is really a driver that that needs to push you to keep tabs on this constantly. So we want to talk a little more and dive a little deeper into the link between company culture and employee engagement. Because this is such a big part of productivity and profitability for your business, we all know the costs of having to go out and, and hire new people, of having to train new people. It can be very detrimental if you're losing, especially key people, you know, managers, people who are higher up in the company that have a lot of knowledge of of how you run things, that can be a huge loss to your company. So we have to pay attention to how people are interacting with their team. How are they interacting during meetings? How, like there is a lot of complexity and nuance here that we need to keep an eye on and have some conversations around too if you do notice that you know things are changing or hey you seem less engaged what can I do to help you and it may just be a personal thing but having that conversation and caring about your employees and your managers is one of the big steps Mm -hmm. that I think I've I've noticed in working for different companies like the fact that you even notice that I'm less engaged is a big deal right yeah once you start working for organizations that are so big that they don't even care or notice a difference that kind of starts to decline on the culture, right? Yeah. One of the positions that I noticed that a bunch of companies were switching to like their HR, because that's what you always have, like this bad rap of HR, right? Mm -hmm. And so they were switching to like people and culture, more so positions. It's like the director of people and culture operations or, you know, something along those lines. So that way they have people that are out engaging with the employees and figuring out, you know, reading the employees and talking to them and figuring out what they, you know, what they truly need 
in their working environment and not necessarily like just the supplies, but more so maybe, you know, different engagement from leadership or the type of collaboration that they're utilizing or the type of like review system that they're utilizing isn't currently working. And so I think that's a, I, that was something that I tried to implement when I was in a management position was like, how can I not just be HR and a manager, but how can I be like a director of people, right? Mm-hmm. And it impacts your employees so much, kind of like we previously talked about with, you know, employee retention and um, talent acquisition. It's like, if you can create this culture that people actually don't mind coming to work at, I mean, if someone had like billions of dollars, would they really want to come, you know, work or clean rooms or do whatever it is that they were doing? Probably not. Right. But if you can create some type of decent environment to where, you know, you get this person here and then if you are in a shortage of employees, they can recommend to their friends like, hey, or their brother or their sister, whoever it is, mm-hmm. hey, you want to come work here. Yeah. Um, because, you know, management and leadership actually engages with you and they know your name and they're not just walking by figuring out what you're not doing correctly. Right. And so I just think that's, that's a huge thing that companies are implementing is kind of going away from that old school HR. You talk to them only because you do something bad. Right. Um, to that, you know, engagement of a people director or culture director. Yeah. I think that's a big deal. The the whole getting away from some, from talking to them only when they, they mess up. Right. Mm-hmm. Because that's like, how a lot of us went into companies, right? Like that was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, if you call, called into your manager's office, it was like, oh, crap, what did I mess up now? You know, it was never to like give you props for something that you did well, or, you know, it was always like, well, you could do this better. Hey, next time do that, you know? And I think that's something that I've noticed a lot of companies doing, you know, even within our firm, we have quarterly meetings with with all of our team members to make sure that we're checking in, like, you have this whole start, stop, continue process that not only are we giving feedback to our team members, but we allow them the opportunity to give us as a company feedback on like, hey, could you please stop doing this? Or could you start doing this? Or, hey, I really like it when XYZ happens. Or, you know, like just having that more open communication style as far as like, hey, what's working? What's not working? What could we work together to change? There seems to be a lot more collaboration on that front versus just, kind of the the superior and then you're down here and it's just, you're getting all the brunt of, hey, you're doing this wrong, which is not like the best way to nurture a great, healthy culture. I think people are just discovering that now. That reminds me of, I don't know if you've seen that meme that's going around with Vince Vaughn and it's part of a movie. And it's like when your company tells you not to point the finger and then it's him talking about like, you're the problem. You're wrong with everything. I don't know if you've seen it. But. I have to it. We'll have to, it's like, to share now. Because <laughs> that's what it is. It's like your company is telling you, you know, none of y'all are the problem. We're going to figure out what's going on. But then somebody always gets the direct. Yeah. So you're the problem. You know, you're you're what's what's wrong with it. And that kind of leads into like the next one with positive company culture. I think you talked about like the culture and employee engagement that we have here at PJS. And I agree, like, one of the things that I found fascinating was the communication part, right? Like you said, like that's huge to be able to create a company culture and engagement with your employees. And we do those monthly coffee, coffee chats. Mm-hmm. And I 
don't really go to hardly any of them. But it's the fact that I had noticed that you, the, the structure was changing for them. Well, okay. one, you know, they had asked for input on what would be better for people so that way they could actually be engaged. Mm-hmm. And I think little thoughtful things like that are huge. They go a long way in a company because it's like you get it and you understand that what you're currently doing isn't working. Even though you had good intentions behind it, mm-hmm. what you're doing isn't working due to, you know, too many meetings or not the correct time or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And even though you can't really benefit everybody, the company took the time and the effort to be like, okay, let's figure out what we need here to create a better engagement and a better positive company culture utilizing these coffee chats monthly. And so that just goes to with, you know, the the values and the communication and the recognition of of employees and how you you took the time to do what was needed and then, you know, fixed it to, you know, to move forward. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. And I think that's almost an underrated thing. It's just like asking your team the question, like instead of just assuming something. Mm-hmm. And I think it's much more appreciated than a lot of people realize. Like just asking the question, it's like, wow, thank you for actually coming to me and wanting my input versus just like telling me, hey, you need to be here this day at this time. You know, like there's and there's certain things that there's not the flexibility that's available to ask the question. But whenever there is, I think it's just it makes more sense and it gives more ownership to your team to allow them that input on things. So that and then I know you mentioned I want to circle back to the whole meme thing, which I haven't seen that, but I want to call it up because I love Vince Vaughn. And even though he plays like the same character in every movie, he's just like always angry. He still makes I love it. So (laughs) the whole finger pointing thing, that has almost been a part of every other company that I've worked with except for PJS. And I really value that here in that while we do have accountability for things, right? Like if you say you're going to do something, you do it right? Like that's, that's just what it is. And it, it has to be almost even more so in a virtual environment or a remote environment because we're, we're working so independently of each other. Like you have to have that accountability. But more of the learning culture as far as like, okay, well that didn't work, but why? Like we're trying to get to the crux of like, how can we reassess this and tweak it to be different so that it is successful rather than well, she's the one that made this decision and you were dumb because (laughs) X, Y, Z, you know, because that's like so many different companies. They just want a person to blame instead of actually figuring out what the the real problem is and, and making changes to make it more successful, which makes things so much easier. And you actually can solve some problems when you have more of a collaborative learning approach. And one of the things that I took from jujitsu too, is like, there's no losers here. There's only winners and learners. And I feel like we apply that here at our company too. It's, it's okay. Well, that's great. If you win, if you didn't win, how can we learn from it? How can we tweak it, make it better and move on? You know, and that's kind of how it is. You don't want to point the finger because it's just not productive. Like let's figure out how to improve, make those improvements and keep moving forward. And I think that's a really healthy, there's actually one of the the studies that Northeastern Illinois University study, and we'll link to all of these in the show notes for this episode, but they talk about the 
the impact of a learning culture or a growth mindset culture on overall organizational structure and culture and the importance of that. And I think it does. It makes a huge difference. I think it's important kind of what you said was one, asking the questions and but two, implementing it, right? Because you can ask the questions all day long. Right. Like what would, you know, make you stay or what would make you more productive or what would make this a better working environment for you? And you can talk about it and ask those questions and get that feedback. But the role of leadership is kind of what, again, like start, it starts from the top, right? Um, employee culture. And if you're not implementing any of the feedback, then you're not going to see any results. And then you're just going to be stuck at, you know, at the same, the same position you were before you asked the questions. And if not, probably a worse, because then you'll, your employees will be like, well, they asked and then they didn't do anything. Right. So it's important, like important to, yes, ask and get the feedback, but then also implement what you can. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. Cause you can make a bad situation worse. Yeah. Like, okay, well, why the heck did you ask me if you weren't going to do anything with it? You know, you're yeah. going to be people more resentful if you're not actually following up on that. So, and if you can't, maybe even going so far as to have a conversation with like, hey, I saw your suggestion. Here's the reasons why we can't right now. Mm-hmm. How could we work together to, you know, I, I think you've mentioned that before in another podcast that we did as far as like how you've handled the feedback from. Yeah. I used to always tell my employees like, you know, this is an open door policy. Let me know what we can do better, what we're doing wrong or what you don't like. And I mean, it doesn't matter that we can fix it, right? We can't always fix everything or switch everything, but at least you can let me know. And then I can either tell you why we can't, or we can figure out why we can Mm -hmm. or how we can. Yep. All right. And then our last thing that we want to talk about here is how you can measure and evaluate your company culture, because we have put all this importance in like, you need to know what's going on. You need to, you know, have this feeling about like how your company is doing and how your employees actually feel. And, but how do you know that? How do you get that? And if you don't have the communication or the openness in your company, it may take some time first off because your employees may not trust to give genuine, honest feedback right away because if they've been burned before in the past by giving honest feedback and got their hours reduced or, you know, there's all kinds of things that can happen that although your company has never done that there, you know, again, you're dealing with humans, you're dealing with people who have pre- previous experiences. So you have to build up that trust with your employees, with your team to make them feel like they can come to you with things. And then another thing that we do as a firm is we send out on top of having those quarterly meetings, which are one-on-one with our team liaison. And I think that's really helpful that it's with somebody else other than their manager. We also send out a survey every month that is just super simple. They can do, it's like a streetlight system, (laughs) like orange, red, green, orange, God, I drive yellow, (laughs) (laughs) you know, colors, they're hard. (laughs) But they can give feedback on like, hey, how am I feeling? You know, they can add a comment if necessary, if they don't want to wait for the quarterly meeting. So we use a a program called Customer Thermometer. It's great. It's reasonably priced. You can incorporate that relatively easily in your your company. And it can be really helpful to just have that monthly check-in or however often you want to do it. But again, give time if you're not in that place with your team and help them feel like they can trust you to give honest feedback too. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of that thing with like generating revenue or profit, right? You're not going to see the direct results of whatever you implemented, like by the end of that month. Mm -hmm. It kind of sometimes even takes a year to look at your month over month. Mm -hmm. And especially if you don't have those policies in place at the moment, you still have to build those policies and create or create those policies and then build them, then implement them and then tweak them. And then, you know, finally have something good in place. So it takes a lot of work. It's not that it doesn't take a lot of work, you know, for you to be able to measure these outcomes. But at the end of it, if you stick with it, it is totally worth it. Yeah. And like you said, like, I think that's an important thing to acknowledge too, that it isn't easy, but you're also dealing with your team and how happy they are at work. And this is their life. You know, they, how many hours are they spending working to build up your business? So I think it is a very worthwhile thing to spend your time on and to acknowledge that, you know, if you do have issues there to start working on it. All right. So like I said, we are going to link all of the articles, stats, research that we gathered in putting this episode together. It can be found at the show notes for this episode, pjscpas.com forward slash 131. Amanda, as we wrap up here, is there anything you'd like to leave our listeners with? I don't know. Just create an environment that you want to be at. Right. I think we see too many managers and leaders in places and positions and companies that they don't even want to be at. And it reflects onto their employees and onto the, you know, productivity and revenue and profits of the business. So one, if you are in a position to where you're the make decision maker of implementing a positive culture in your company, I think just evaluate yourself. Like, do I want to be here? Is this a place that I actually want to build a culture at? And if not, have those conversations and move on to another place you do want to build it. Because mm-hmm. if you don't want to be in that position to begin with, building or trying to build a positive culture for your employees is never going to work. And so I just think remembering that, like as a manager, a leader, building this culture, is it something you want to do? And is it a place that you want to actually be? 100%. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining me and talking culture and profitability with me today, Amanda. Absolutely. Until next time, keep that momentum going and we'll see you next time. This has been another episode of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe, rate, and review. Gain access to additional free resources and learning opportunities by visiting pjscpas.com forward slash podcast.